Father, we just want to thank you, Father, for this morning that you've given to us once again, O Lord. We come to your throne of grace. We pray, Lord Jesus, that you would speak to our hearts. Father, that you would prepare us, O Lord Father, for your coming a little more. That we will walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, knowing that the days are evil. And therefore, O Lord, prepare us, sanctify us a little more, separate us and set us apart by the washing of water by the word. We thank you, we praise you, we give you glory for in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> so this morning, let's go back to Second Peter in chapter 3. We've been looking at uh, the faithful servant. We'll look at the last aspect of uh, what, it, what does it mean to be a faithful or a perfect servant. Second Peter chapter 3, this is what it says. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burnt up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be? Okay, Sami, you are able to get it? Yeah, no problem. What, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the Lord? Because it's the day of the Lord is going to come like what? Like a thief. Okay. So, and thief will never give us warning. He will come at a time when you least expect him. Therefore, what should you do? Expect him every day. Okay. That's the fine. Then you will not be taken by surprise. Alright. If you expect him every night, then you are prepared. <laughs> I remember, uh, my home, right? Uh, uh, when though that incident happened, when uh, home was broken into, um, for the next, uh, till my landlords came back, for the next 15 days, I, w- I would just sit and sleep and keep the entire lights on, expecting him to come every day. Alright. That is how, you need to understand, that is what is called preparedness, expecting him to come, uh, every day. Alright. So, how do we do that? And that is what, uh, Matthew chapter 24 will say about the servant who's not, who's that servant, uh, who will not be taken by surprise. The seven attributes of a perfect servant. We're all sons who have volunteered to become servants, bond servants of Jesus Christ. That is the reason why Paul says, no, even though I use this analogy of master and slave, even, uh, once upon a time you were slaves of sin, now you have become slaves of righteousness. But even though I use this analogy of master and slave, you do not know what kind of a master you have. You have a master who calls you his son. And therefore you willingly submit yourself uh, to uh, his leading and to and respond to his love. And there's no there's no compulsion. Okay, we become bond servants of Jesus Christ. Amen. Matthew chapter 24, we'll talk about this perfect servant. We looked at, uh, we were looking at different aspects of it. Who then is a faithful and a wise, what? Servant. Whom his master made ruler over his entire household to give him food in due season. Blessed is that servant whom his master, when he comes, will find so doing. Assuredly, I say to you that he will make him ruler over all his goods. But if that evil servant says in his heart, my master is delaying his coming and begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with the drunkards, 
that master of the, the master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him and at an hour that he is not aware of. And what will he do? He will cut him into two and appoint his portion with the hypocrites. And there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So we looked at the seven attributes of holy conduct. We were looking at it. First aspect is that he is faithful, right? First aspect. And second, that he is a wise servant. And third aspect is a, is a servant who rules. Fourth, he is a servant who prepares uh, food according to season. And then he is a person who is patient to the, to the delays of God. And we looked at the aspect of delay in, in the life of Abraham. Uh, Pastor was talking about it in different aspects, in different uh, dimensions of it, especially. Um, um, how did uh, Abraham delay? Because he allowed a tera. Okay, a tera means delay. And you know, the, the Hebrew has two connotations. Tera, tera means to delay. Tera means to station. Station meaning to stagnate. Okay, to stay. At one point in your spiritual walk, you're not progressing. And you know what? When there is no, when there is stagnation, there is decay. There is corruption. You rut and you rot. You get into a rut and then you begin to rot. That's essentially what we call rat race. Okay. You're not exactly what happened to the children of Israel in the wilderness. They were in a rut. Roaming around in circles. Uh, Shakespeare calls it a lot of sound and fury, signifying nothing. Okay. Going around in circles. Alright. Because God said, I'm not moving. What did God say? I'm not moving. And without God, they were moving. You know what happens, right? You put one, you take two wheels. Station one wheel and give some acceleration to the other wheel. What happens? It'll move around in circles. God is stationed. You are connected to God. God says, I am not moving. The Ark of the Covenant is going to be here. Moses is going to be here. I am not moving. And you will move around in circles. That is what we call as rut. And because of that, you will perish in the wilderness. That is called that is called as rot. And therefore, Jesus comes to the guy who is there at the pool of Bethesda, complaining and whining and complaining about what all he lost in his life. Jesus looks at him and he says, Do you want to be made whole? Do you want to be stuck in this rut and rot all your life? Or do you want to be revived? Rut, rot or revival? That's the title of A.W. Tozer's book. <laughs> Powerful book. You want to stay in this rut and become begin to rot? Or do you want to be revived? And you know what he says? If you want to be revived, pick up your mat and walk. Okay. So don't be stationed and begin to rot. Okay. So this is very important for us. Be patient to God's delays. God's delays means keep on doing the things that you are supposed to do. It should be spiritual movement. I think catfish and codfish, I don't know exa- the example Pastor James gave so many years back. You know, catfish or codfish, I don't know which one, it has to be, it has to be sent into the market fresh. It has to be alive. Catfish, yeah. If your cat- catfish has to be, give, uh, has to, uh, demand a price worthy of its taste, when it reaches, till it reaches the market, it has to be kept alive. But the problem is, they catch the catfish, Sometime in the, sometime in the sea, and then before they take it to the market, it, they have to store it for 
quite some time. And so, you know what? In order to keep the catfish alive, they cannot keep it in stagnant water. So, what what do they do? They release some some codfish into the into that into that uh, into the container. So, what what does what happens? This codfish keeps on fighting with the catfish. And catfish keeps on fighting with the codfish and that is how they remain alive. Otherwise, <laughs> you cannot demand the kind of a price that you, that, uh, that the market demands. So that will be fresh and ready to the, for the market because there's sudden amount of codfish which is allowed into that stream by those fellows who have caught, catch the, caught the catfish in order to keep the catfish fresh. Okay. So there should be spiritual progress. And God, and that is how you keep on moving. Don't be stagnant in one place. Don't be stationed because of Thera. Alright? You should be patient to God's delays. And then we looked at his attitude towards the fellow brothers. Looked at it last time. (laughs) Very, very important. And then what happens? Because two things happen. He, his attitude towards his fellow servants begins to change because he's not patient to, patient to God, uh, to God's delays. Alright. And then also second thing, second thing happens. He begins to get drunk. Remember? What does, what, what does that mean? He loses his spiritual sobriety. Seven attributes. Do not lose your spiritual sobriety. That is today's uh, message. Have you, how do you keep your spiritual sobriety? In other words, how do you remain sober? Okay. Second Timothy chapter 3 will, will, will say something very interesting. This is in the NIV translation. But mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. What times? Terrible times. Okay. The Philistines are upon you, Samson. Okay. <laughs> so don't be like Samson drunk in the laps of Delilah. Okay. About to lose your consecration. There will be terrible times in the in in the last days people will be lovers of themselves lovers of money two things lovers of themselves lovers of money several attributes given in the middle <laughs> not very <laughs> very nice to read but let's read it anyway boastful proud abusive disobedient to their parents bah ungrateful unholy without love unforgiving slanderous without self control brutal not lovers of the good treacherous rash conceited Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And what happens to these fellows? Having a form of godliness, that's what happens. They become hypocrites. So what does God do? When he, he comes at an hour, when he's not, when he's not expecting him on a day and an hour, when he's not expecting him, expecting him, and he's gonna, what, what is he gonna do to him? Do to him? He's gonna cut him into two and put him with the who? With the hypocrites. What do hypocrites have? They have a form, but they don't have Genuine reality. Alright. So how do you keep this spiritual sobriety is very, very important for us to consider. And not to be taken by surprise on the day when God is going to visit us. This is very important, no? We should, we should just not take these as lessons. We should really meditate upon it, ask God to speak to our hearts, change our minds, change our thought patterns in accordance to, with God, with what God is speaking to us. Don't take any of these things lightly, any meeting lightly. Okay. Um, even the more as the day is approaching, what should we do? Huh. Gather together as much as possible and spur one another unto love first. And then good works, okay? There's no love and works go together. First Thessalonians chapter 5. 
let's see how we guard this spiritual sobriety. But concerning the times and seasons, brothers, you have no need that I should write to you. Bah. What a fantastic statement. Meaning, concerning this, I don't even have to write to you. This, you are very aware, you guys. Can we come to a point like that? I don't have to tell you anything. You're, you're well taught. You're well prepared. Okay. Nothing more, no more revision class to take. No more remedial classes to take. <laughs> no more last minute preparation. No. You are absolutely aware. Brothers concerning times, that is chronos and seasons. What is kairos? <coughs> See, those people who have not, who do not have a chronological record of God, Sorry, let me let me rephrase this again. Those people who do not have a chronological record with God will miss the chirological appointments of God. What did I say? Those people who do not have a chronological record with God will miss the chirological appointments with God. My goodness, the statement is really, really complicated. Okay, these are all philosophical statements. Let us simplify. What does it mean? If you turn with me, you don't have to, if Peter is there, he can possibly look at 1 Thessalonians, uh, sorry, 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4. <clears throat> well, I didn't put it here. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse uh, 1 onwards. Uh, Peter, you can read that, read that for me, please. As much as then Christ has suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same mind. For he that has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of the time. You know what the word for time is there? Chronological. That he should no longer live the rest of the time for the lusts of the flesh, but for the will of God. So what is that will of God? One of the will, will of what, one of the revealed will of God. See, uh, see, that's what Pastor was talking about. Unless until you obey the specific, I mean, the, the, the general will of God, God is not going to give you the specifics. You know, Specifics is concerned with the kairos. Okay. General is concerned with the chronos. What does it mean? You should be sanctified. This is the will of God. Your sanctification. How do you be, how will you be sanctified? Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is the truth. Second, first thing actually you'll be sanctified by the blood. You are sanctified by the blood. You are sanctified by the water of the word. What does the blood do? It cleanses you from all your sin. Even as you confess your sin, the blood of Jesus Christ will keep on cleansing you in keep on separating you. Second thing, you are, you are, you are sanctified by the word, sanctified by them by the truth. Your word is truth. The blood, there are two cleansing agents in the Bible. One is that one is the blood of Jesus Christ and the other is the water of the word of God. These two cleanses us and separates us from the things of this world and separates us unto the unto God. This is what we have to do on a daily basis that we do not miss our chrono- chronological appointments with God. Every day we need to have our time. We have to come apart with God. And then what happens? One day, even as you keep on separating yourselves, one day your moment will come. What is that moment? Kairos. You will redeem the time. You know what the word for time is? Kairos. It is like this, no? You go to the supermarket, you keep on going to more. You are our most valuable customer. You accumulate points and points and points and points and points and points. One day, you go to the market. 
and that fellow is doing the billing. Sir, uh, you have an offer, 1500 rupees off on your bill. How did you get that 1500 rupees off on your bill? Because you have accumulated. And that was your Kairos moment. <laughs> and that, that was for that month. If you miss that opportunity, uh, if you go, I don't want to do shopping this month, let me go next month. That month is, you would have missed your appointment and you would have gone to again zero, balance zero. So because you have not missed your chronological appointments with God, I'm mean, sorry, uh, record with God, chronological record with God, you will never miss your Chirological appointments with God. That's exactly what happened with David also. David had a daily relationship with God and one day his father said, go and see what your brothers are doing, how your brothers are doing. And that day, that was his moment. He, he was at the God's appointed time when that fellow was coming and challenging. He would come every day twice. 80 times he came. 79 times he came that day in the evening. He it was the 80th time finished. Okay, and that was when David had his Kairos moment, and after that, things changed for him. You see, 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 yeah, rest is history. So, but concerning times and seasons, my dear brothers, he says, therefore, hmm, therefore, you should have a chronological record and chronological appointments. Okay, for you yourselves perfectly know that. That the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. Why do you know? You, how do you know? You know perfectly. That means in this subject you are perfect. Okay, okay. So several subjects. Telugu. Oh no, 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 no. I don't know. Math. Oh yeah, perfect. In this subject you are perfect. Okay. So <coughs> that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. Verse 3, for when they say peace and security, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you brothers are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. That means this day is not going to overtake you, because you are not in darkness. There's some attributes of this, these people, of the Thessalonians church, which made them guard their spiritual sobriety. Understand? In other words, Paul is saying, that day, my dear brothers, I know will not take you by surprise because I see something in you. Why? You are what? Sons of light. Sons of day. We are not of light, uh, of, of, of the night, nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk, are get, uh, get drunk in the night. That is what sobriety means, right? That means, how are you, why are you not losing your spiritual sobriety? Because there's something that is happening to you. Some attributes I see in you, and I'm sure because you have these attributes, you will not lose your spiritual sobriety. For those who sleep, sleep, uh, sleep in the night and those who get drunk, get drunk in the night. But let us who are off the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and as a helmet the hope of salvation. But for God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ and then who died for us that we, that, that whether we Wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another just as you are doing. See, 10 verses today. Five lessons, actually six lessons. Okay. So first, let us look at what is happening. Just try to draw a few lessons. I'm going to give you a general framework and maybe look at a few aspects in more greater detail. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 10. 
verses 1 to 10. What will be the general atmosphere that is prevailing during the times of Jesus' second coming? Peace and safety. The word for safety, security. Apart from God. That will be the general framework. Meaning, there will be a framework which is which will try to dull your spiritual senses. There will be an environment. Yeah, it's peace, security, kind of an environment. Nothing is going to happen. You are like Samson in Delilah's lap. Asleep. What is happening? You are not aware of completely. You are in a, you are in envi- you are in an environment of peace. You are living in that environment of peace and security. Apart, we'll, we'll try to understand what that means. But then he says, why is it not going to take you by surprise? Because you have fire attributes. First thing, you are sons of light and you are sons of day. Second, you are not of light. You are not of darkness. Is it, isn't it interesting? I mean, not of uh, light and not of night. Okay. So why does God use this? If you are of the day, then you are definitely not of the night. That is what my understanding is. But why should this be specifically mentioned? Come to that. Hmm? Be sober and watchful, not asleep. If you are sober and watchful, what will you be? Why should why should you mention that? We'll come to that again. Fourth one, he says, I know that you are battle ready. Okay. And fifth one, he says, you are you know that you are not objects of wrath. But objects of salvation through Jesus. Okay, these are five broad lessons you can draw from this. Why was the Thessalonian church spiritually sober? Okay, because they understood what is the true message of peace and security. Alright, let us see. What is peace and security? Hmm? You know, United, how many of you know United Nations? You know, United Nations. You go to New York. Okay. There's a building, United Nations General Assembly building. Okay. If you go to New York, there'll be right before the building, there'll be a man, almost a naked man. He has a sword in his hand and he has a sword in one hand and a hammer in the other hand. Okay. You know what he's doing to the hammer, uh, to the sword? He's taking the hammer and beating the sword. You can actually Google it. On that, sta- just below that statue, there'll be a verse. You know what the verse is? They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against a nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. United Nations. Okay. Now this is a verse from Isaiah chapter 2, verse number 4. The problem is, Warren B. As we said, uh, we made a very powerful statement. He says, a text out of context is a pretext. Yeah. <laughs> you take a nice text and it looks so nice. Bah! They want to unite all nations and they are going to beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks and nation will not rise against a nation and they will no, do not, they will not learn war anymore. But the problem is, you have to quote the whole context. For example, I can do all things through Christ is a word out of context. You know what Paul says? I know how to abound. I know how to be abased. 
Okay. <laughs> About meaning, I know how to have, how to live when I have plenty of money. I know how to live when I have no money. Why? Because I live the same. When I have plenty of money, when I have no money, I'm the same. How do I live when I have plenty of money? As if I have no money. <laughs> see, that is how you, <laughs> see, what, which is the most easiest, uh, which is the difficult time to live? Like Pastor was saying, no? If you answer a difficult question first, <laughs> every other thing is easy. Hmm? So, what, which is the more difficult time to live? When you have plenty of money or when you have less money? Less money is when you have, when it is a difficult time to live. So, if you live all the time as if you have less money, that's what Paul is saying. Abased, when I have no money. Abound, when I have money. I know how to live then. I know how to live now. In, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That is what is quoting the <laughs> a verse in context. Okay. So he's saying, they will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks, etc. Nation will not uh, rise their wall, uh, will not lift up their sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. Fantasy looks so beautiful, so nice. But look at the context. Isaiah chapter 2. Let's read the word, word in the entire context. Okay, the word that I, the the, the word that Isaiah, the son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. You know, it's like this. No, there's one verse in in the Quran. The person who saves one life, it's as if he has saved the entire life of the entire humanity. The person who takes one life is as if he has taken the life of entire humanity. It's there in the Quran. It's there, verse is there in the Quran, for example, no? But you know, <laughs> and therefore, you see, see, see this verse? Islam is not a religion of war. It is a religion of peace. It's a peaceful religion. They don't understand. That verse is like this, you no? Know, one guy uh, named his, uh, in, in Hyderabad, his photocopy shop name was Lucifer Xerox. Lucifer Xerox shop. They went and asked him, Are you Lucifer Xerox? Why did you name your why did you name your shop Lucifer? It is there in the Bible, he said. The name Lucifer is there in the Bible. So they don't know what it means. So it's there in the Quran. What is there in the Quran? Uh, if you take one life, it is like it is as if you have taken the life of the whole world. If you have saved one life, it is as if you have saved the life of the and that's exactly what the liberal media will portray about Islam. And they will call Muhammad. No, no, no. They always put a title for Muhammad. What is it? No, 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 no. What is it? Prophet. Prophet Muhammad. They will never say Jesus Messiah. No. For, 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 for Muhammad, they will always remind us. Prophet Muhammad. And what are they doing? They are quoting the entire thing out of context. That is not even addressing to the Muslims. It is addressing to the Israelites. The surah. So you take one message out of context, it gives a total, whole different meaning. For example, hand him over to Satan. Is there in the Bible? Can I use it? The Bible says, hand him over to Satan. No, no, no. This is a context. You're upset with it. Let's say I'm upset with Peter. Handing him over to Satan. I can't use it. That's such such a stupid uh, application of a verse. What are you doing? You're taking the entire thing out of context. You're upset. You're angry. That is how. Not, that is not how you use authority. Okay. The total context in which a particular message is used. Look at what it says. Now it shall come to pass in the latter days. 
that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the above the hills and all nations will flow into it. क्या बात है? All nations will flow to who? To God, right? And then many people shall come and say, "Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord." What are they saying? Let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us His ways, and we shall walk in His paths. And then, for out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word from the Lord in Jerusalem. From Jerusalem, He shall judge between the nations. He shall rebuke many people. What What does God do when you come to Him? He does two things. Definitely, He will judge, and then He will. People don't like two things. He doesn't do. People don't like. They don't people. They don't have people who judge them and people do who rebuke them. And he will. They shall then what? Beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning. You see the context now. What has been removed over here? He shall judge his removed. <laughs> he shall rebuke his removed. Oh, nation! See that means you completely take off. God out of the picture and you talk about peace and security. Understood how? And that's exactly what many of us do. We want peace and security without God. He's the author of peace. He's the prince of peace. Right? There's no peace without the prince of peace, my dear brothers. Okay. And then what happens? Nation will not lift up sword against a nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. In other words, until and unless the lordship of Jesus Christ is established in our lives, there will always be wars between those people who are under the lordship of Jesus and for do, and those people who are not under the lordship of Jesus. Okay, this message is very clear. So look at what it says. I mean, let us read the Bible hmm? and try to understand several. Uh, Context in which this message, Jesus himself talks about it. Okay. Luke's Gospel chapter 19. Look at what it says. Hmm? While they were listening to this, he went on to tell them a parable. This is the parable of the ten minors. Okay. The parable of the ten minors. You know the parable of the ten minors. But you should see the context in which the parable of the ten minors is spoken. Okay. Because he was near Jerusalem and the people thought that the kingdom of, his, of, kingdom of God was going to appear at once. He said, a man of noble birth went to a distant country to have himself appointed king and then to return. So what did he do? So he called 10 of his servants and gave them how many? 10 minus. So 10 servants, 10 minus each gets 1. Okay, very simple math, uh, arithmetic. Hmm? This is not mathematics, this is arithmetic. There's a lot of difference. Okay. He says, put this money to work or uh, other translations will use the word, occupy till I come. And he said, until I come back. Then verse 14, but his subjects hated him and sent a delegation after him to say, we don't want this man to be our king. That means we don't want the lordship of Jesus Christ over our life. He was made king, however, in verse 15 and returned home. Jesus also was made king. How did he make king and how was he? He died. He was buried. He rose again. And now he is ascended into the heaven. And where is he seated? At the right hand of, the, of God the Father, far above every principality and power of darkness, under the name of Jesus, what? Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, over-established. Now he is going to return. 
Then he sent for the servants to whom he had given the money in order to find out what they have gained. So there were two kinds of people. They were all subjects. Everybody is a subject of Jesus, but there was one servant and the other person is a forced subject. They didn't want the authority of Jesus over their lives. So what did they do? We don't want this king over our life. We They hated him. But he is returning. How is he returning now? With his kingdom. Okay. Uh, what did Enoch say? The Lord is returning with how many? 10,000 of his saints to do what? To judge the who? The ungodly. Of all their ungodly deeds, which they have ungodly committed. Several ungodlies are used over there. Just to emphasize the point, these fellows deserved what they get. Hmm. In order to find out what they gained with it. So he's going to, uh, he's going to reward his servants for their faithfulness. And then what is he going to do? Verse 17. Verse 27, sorry. But those enemies of mine, who did not want me to be their king, what should you do to them? Bring them here and Kill them in front of me. Bah! This is what he's going to do. So the, you know what Jesus therefore says? No peace without me. And the problem is, when you have me in your life, what should you expect in this world? Matthew chapter 10. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace on the earth. Bah! Call him Prince of Peace. But you know what he's saying? Don't think that I'm going to bring peace on this on this earth. That is coming one day. I did not come to bring peace, but the what? But a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father. You know, this is what is going to happen in every family. Every family and even in the family of God, there's going to be a clear demarcation. Father, Against his man, man against his father. Daughter against her mother. And then, daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. See, mother-in-law and daughter-in-law don't get along. First of all, uh, very rarely you will find mother-in-law and daughter-in-law getting, uh, getting, uh, well, uh, getting along well together. But he's not talking about that kind of a competition. This is because of, because of Jesus. Alright? In verse 36, a man's enemies will be the members of his own household. What God is going to do? He's going to, he's going to bring a sword into our lives. What do the what what were the Levites asked to do? Strap a sword. Because they strapped a sword and they said, "You are not my brother. You are not my father. You are not my mother." You know what God says to the Levites? Your urim and your thummim is always going to be with my servants, and they are going to teach Israel the law. Now, the problem here, in the old covenant, they use the sword on the others. What, what, what do we do in the new covenant? We allow the sword to be used upon us. We don't retaliate. We love our neighbors. So you don't, again, like, uh, like many people do, don't take this message out of context and say Christianity is a violent religion. No. You know what Jesus said? You have to put the entire teaching of Jesus. He says, love your enemies and pray for those who hate you and despitefully use you. And, and, you know, you know, you know what Paul says? Don't, Take matters into your own hands. Don't uh, repay evil for evil, but repay evil with good. Why? Because God says, vengeance is mine. I will repay. You don't take matters into your own hands. You allow if the, if the, if need be the sword to come into your life. Otherwise flee. Two things you can do. Both are biblical. For some, in some cases, the sword is allowed to come into your life. In some cases, God will ask you to run, flee for your life. No problem. 
So man's enemies will be the members of his own household. There will be a division because of your relationship with Jesus Christ. There's going to be division. There's going to be a sword. Matthew chapter 10. Brother will betray brother to death and father is child. And children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. You will be hated by how many people? Everyone because of me. You see, this is not you will be loved less. People will be indifferent. People, people will be indifferent. No, people will actually hate you. That is the reason why it says about Noah. Noah, what did he do to the world? He condemned the world. What is condemn the world? Meaning, in other words, why do people hate you? Because you blow the whistle on their compromise. Your life blows the whistle on their compromise. You become the whistle blower, in other words. You don't have to say anything. You're not looking for, for, you're not judging them or looking for their loopholes in their life. No, you're not doing. You're actually living a life and when they see your uncompromised standard, you know what they will do? They say, this fellow has to be put to death. That's the reason why you know what the word Job means? No, you know what the word Job means? The one who is hated. That's what Job means. He's a marked man. Everybody hated him. Including his own friends, I think. <laughs> I don't know. Um, you can read it in different contexts, but I think they were jealous. You know, when you, it is impossible for you to be jealous about somebody and love him at the same time. It's impossible. Understood? <laughs> okay. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. So what should you do? Verse 23. When you are persecuted in one place, huh, run to another place. Flee to another place. Truly I tell you, you will not finish going through the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. <laughs> you see, this, this is what he's saying. He says, don't ever think that I've gone to come, have come to bring peace. No. There is going to be a clear demarcation. And what brings the demarcation? The sword. And what is the sword? The word. We'll come to that later on. Luke's Gospel chapter 12. Same message again. Verse 40, 49 onwards. I came to send fire on the earth and how I wish it was already kindled. But I have a baptism to be baptized with and how distressed I am till it is accomplished. Do you suppose that I came to give peace on earth? Peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sinners reconciled. Not sinners and sinners <laughs> reconciled. Sinner and sinners and godly reconciled. No. Sinners and godly, there will always be a conflict. There will be a conflict between the spirit and the flesh and between the spirit and the world. There will be conflict. There will be division. Even in the church, there will be a division. Okay. You see, why did Saul hate David? I'll tell you why Saul hated David. Because David, David blew the whistle on Saul's compromise. And you know what, what it says? David keeps escaping Saul's onslaught. Remember? Remember that? And, the, and he begins to behave wisely in the presence of Saul. And what does Saul, what does scripture say about Saul? He becomes afraid of David even more. And because he's afraid of David even more, what does he want to do? He wants to kill him. And he's determined to kill him even more. What has, what has, what has brought the separation? The anointing over David's life. And why was David anointed? We'll come to that a little later. Do you suppose that I came to give peace on earth? I tell you, not at all. I have come to bring what? Division. There will be division. Churches will get get, get divided. Not because we want division. 
You're not looking for division. No. There will be uh, opportunities where, I mean, not uh, not opportunities, where uh, the, the sword will come and begin to divide the compromised and the uncompromised. It will happen. So better be on the side of the uncompromised and not on the side of the compromised. And then what happens? Then, for from now on, okay, father will be divided from uh, from now on, he says, five in one house will be divided. How? Three against two. Super division. That is the reason why he took an odd number. There is not going to be equality. Ah! Three by five, two by five. 60%, 40%. So he says, look at this. He, look at what he says. 3 against 2, 2 against 3. Meaning, you, you, you pick your choice. If 3 are uncompromised, be on that side. If 2 are uncompromised, be on that side. Don't go against them. Pick your choice. Don't be in the middle. That means there is no middle ground. I, no, you are compromised, you are uncompromised, I will stay in the middle. No. Nothing of that sort. Five is a fantastic number. It's an odd number. Don't be the third. <laughs> in that odd number. Two on this side, two on that side. Don't become gopi. Cat on the wall. Go to the pili. Make a decision. There has to be a decision. Three against two or two against three. Which side, which side will you choose? Whose side are you leaning on? It's not a Sunday school song. Very, very clear. Three against two, two against three. Father may be, may be divided, Gadu. Will be divided against son. It's a choice, by the way. And son against the father, mother against, mother against daughter, daughter against son, mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Look at that. In other words, Every relationship will be put to the test. And then you'll ask, you'll be asked this question, whoever is on the Lord's side, come. Come, 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 come. Why, why, what was the, what was the, what was the test? The test was the delay of God, right? When Moses delayed, you know, word for delay is very interesting in the Hebrew there. You know what the word for delay means? Delay means to be ashamed. This guy Moses, what does he think we are? How long should we wait for him? Remember, remember, no. If you go to the medic, if you go to an office and they keep you waiting, if he is a collector, what will you do? You are at his mercy. You will wait. I remember when I, when I had to get my license. Collector's office in the morning till the evening. It is my, you know, it's like it is my need. So I have to do what? Humble myself. How how dare you? You'll keep me waiting. I will never be able to say that. I remember I went to the deputy chief minister's office for an appointment. Okay. I was there waiting for him. Waiting, 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 waiting. And he finished a meeting with one person and immediately after he finished the meeting, he was, he just left the office and he didn't even look at me. I was totally flabbergasted. What does this guy think of himself? I didn't have to, I didn't, I can't say it. I'm at his, Mercy. So what what happens to this fellow? This is what happened to this fellow Moses. How long we should wait for him? This fellow Moses. You are his category. The call was for everybody to come and listen to listen from God. Only one guy is on on the Lord's side. And what do they do? Make us gods. 
And then when Moses comes down, he sees the mess that they are making, idols and dance. They go together all the time, no? I just You see, even in our city also, idols and dance, they go together. And what kind of a dance? Meaningless dance. I don't know what they are dancing for, why are they dancing? It's a total demonic dance. I think they all learned from the Israelites. Idols and dance is mentioned for the first time in the Bible. And then he says, whoever is on the Lord's side, come. And who comes? Out of 12 tribes, one tribe makes the decision. Whose side are you leaning on? Five against two? Sorry, five against three? Ah, sorry, three against two and two against three. Which side are you leaning on? In other words, there is no chance for you to take a stand in the middle. No, no, no. I will not join on this side. I will not join on this side. You have already made a choice by not joining either side. That's what happened even in the election. Oh, I'm a Christian. I will not be on the side of this side or not on the side of that side. Who, Who told you? You see, because you were indecisive, something else happened. It's the other side flipped. The balance is flipped on the other side. Anyway, so understand this principle. This principle is a principle of division. There is no peace without division. There is no peace without the sword. Matthew chapter 10. Anyone therefore who loves his father or mother more. The point is that. Whom do you love more? In fact, other translations will say, unless you hate your father and mother. Boy, in other words, Compared to your relationship with God, every other relationship it look, should look like what? Hate. Your mother and your brothers are waiting outside for you. Who's my mother? Who's my father? Who's my brother? These people who are listening to the word of God and who are obeying it, these are my mother, these are my brothers, and these are my sisters. Who got offended? They got so mighty offended. Boy, thank God. Not all brothers got offended. Jude and James stayed. And they came back to, and of course also Mary. And therefore we have James and Jude. You know what they did to James, right? Remember what they did to James, how they martyred him? You know how they martyred James? They took him to the pinnacle of the temple in in Jerusalem and they threw him from there. Exactly where Jesus was taken by Satan. To that point in the temple, and they threw him from there. That is what church history. Uh, if you can, if you read Fox, Fox's book of, book of Martyrs, you'll see. That is how James, the half-brother of Jesus, died. He was thrown from that point, and he was martyred for God. That's it. That means because he took a side now, he's on Jesus' side, and he also became came onto the sign of the one who was hated. Okay, one of a hated race, <laughs> stung by the prejudice, suffered injustice. He came onto the side. Where they was hated. So there's, there is, there is not going to be peace on earth. And mercy, peace on earth and mercy might, it's only because God and sinners have been reconciled. No, nothing else other than that. Alright? So, therefore, in order to have peace with God, there's only one way. Why do people hate, uh, Christians and Christ? It is not because of what he has spoken. It is because he says, unless you believe in me. There, no one comes to the Father except through me. There is only one way a man can be reconciled with God. That is through the blood of Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 5. No? Remember that? Romans chapter 5 verses 1 and 2. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith. In what? 
in the deaths, in the burial, in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. According to scriptures it says. Okay. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have what with God? Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And you know what? Just because, uh, it, 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 it does not mean that we are, uh, we are perfect. No. Okay. We are not trusting in our righteousness. We are not trusting in our goodness. That's what it means. And that message is a very, 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 very offensive message. People get offended with that message. They do not like the message. What is the message? There is no way to Jesus Christ apart from Christ. I mean, no way to God apart from Jesus Christ, apart from the cross. Impossible for anybody to get reconciled to God. And that is the reason why the people hate us. Hate the message. For the message of the cross is what? Foolishness to those who are perishing. To the Jews it is what? A stumbling block. To the Greeks it is? foolishness. But to us who are being saved, Christ the wisdom of God and the power of God. And they hate us. You take the cross out, everybody loves Jesus. But what does scripture say in Philippians chapter 1, 3? They are not enemies of Christ. They are the enemies of the cross. The cross is the biggest stumbling block. Because it says, Scott Cross says, not my will, but yours be done. People don't like that. We hate it. Our stubbornness and God's faithfulness meets in the cross. <laughs> Stubborn people we are. But God is faithful still, isn't it? That is the reason why he says, while we were still enemies of God. Whose enemy? Carnal mind is in enmity with our God. You are enemies of the cross. 1 John chapter 3 will say. What, what does it say? Not as Cain who was of the wicked one who murdered his brother. Why did he murder his brother? And why did he murder him? Because his works were evil, evil and his brothers were righteous. He does, he does not say that Abel was sinless. No. But the one thing Abel did, he says, it's impossible for me to be reconciled with God except through the blood. Impossible. And therefore Cain Hated him. In other words, Abel's life blew the whistle in on Cain's compromise. Isn't it interesting? The first man who sinned was Adam. Did he die immediately? No. The first man who murdered was Cain. Did he die immediately? No. Who was the first one who died? An innocent, righteous man died instead of a rebel and a murderer. There itself you have a cross. Abel was a righteous man. An innocent man, a righteous man, died in the place of a rebel or a disobedient person and a murderer. There itself, in the in the story of Adam, Abel and Cain is the cross. Okay. It's like this, no? Cross is at the center, right? One criminal on the other side, another criminal on this side. Okay, you can, I can, you can picture it like that. Abel, I mean, Abel is a type of Christ. On one side you have Adam, who accepted the covering of Jesus Christ. And the other side you have Cain, who rejected the covering of Jesus Christ and went away from the presence of God into eternity, into eternal hell. That's exactly what happened to one thief on the cross. What did he do? He accepted the covering of Jesus Christ. And what did the other fellow do? He rejected the covering of Jesus Christ and went to an eternity apart from 
Understand that? Okay. So, there's only one way to get. That is the reason why they hate us. The message of the cross is foolishness. Hmm? Matthew chapter 10. Do not be afraid, therefore, of those who kill the body. So how should you protect yourself from this, from this, uh, environment where they, where they talk about peace and security apart from God. How do you protect, protect yourself? Do not be afraid of those who kill only the body but cannot touch the soul. But be afraid of the person who is able to put both soul and body into hell. Therefore, what should you take care of? Soul. Thank you so much. <laughs> if you can take care of your mind, your body will follow your mind. Take care of your soul. How do you do that? Jeremiah chapter 8. Let us see. <clears throat> Verse 11 onwards. Jeremiah chapter 8. For they, there is a false prophets, have healed the hurt of the daughter of my people slightly. Means superficially. They put a bandaid on the wound and sent you. How did they do that? Saying, peace, peace. They don't say one, one time peace. Peace, peace means you surely you have peace. That's what peace, peace means. Shalom, shalom. But there is no <laughs> peace. Okay. Were they ashamed when they committed the abomination? How do you know that they were, they don't really genuinely have peace? Because they are not ashamed because they committed the abomination. There is no remorse for their sin. There is no grieving over their sin. There is no genuine repentance. Godly sorrow leads to what? There is no repentance. There is no genuine conversion at all. Because people have not mourned over their sin. No, they were not at all ashamed. Actually, other translations will use, uh, in uh, not other translations, Jeremiah chapter 2 will, uh, will say, just like a thief is ashamed when he's caught, my people also are ashamed because they are caught in the act. Will the thief, is he ashamed that he's stealing? No, he actually goes and boasts. Hey, you know what I did? That fellow was sleeping nicely. I, I deceived him and I stole his money. That's what it says in Proverbs. Hey, this is bad, bad. And he goes to the side and he boasts. It's it's expensive. It's exp- expensive. That's how you haggle, haggle, no? In, on the on the on the road, you haggle. Expensive, expensive. After that, you get for a very cheap price, and then and later on, you you'll say, "This is actually this much. I got it for so so much." You boast. Are you ashamed? No, you're not ashamed. You boast. They were not at all ashamed, nor did they know how to blush. Bah. Those days, in my in my class when I was growing up, I'm telling you honestly, you know, my class when I was growing up, however my classmates were, were girls who were dressed, everybody in my class when, when I was growing up in university, everybody was dressed conservatively. All my classmates. I had three girls in my class. In engineering college, you will have very less girls and more boys. Three girls in my class, so modestly dressed. I'm talking about 1997, 1998, so many years back, decades back. And now you should see universities like even my own college, Triple IT, from where I graduated, the latest. The year passes and the dress becomes tighter and shorter. 
It's unbelievable how things have changed. And you know what? They don't even blush. They don't even blush. It is what we call as fashion. They have lost the ability to be ashamed. Adam and Eve were ashamed. But now what what, 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 what has happened to the people? They are naked and they were ashamed. That is Adam and Eve. Now after a long time has passed, they are naked and they are not ashamed. That's exactly what has happened to that's, that's exactly what happened to the Israelites, right? Moses delayed his coming and what happened to these fellows? They became naked and they were doing all kinds of abominable stuff, stuff and they were not ashamed. Therefore, they shall fall among those who fall in the time of their punishment. They shall be cast down, says the Lord. Therefore, you know what? Therefore, you know, always ask God to search your heart. Don't have any false peace. You want to have peace with God? God, what does God look at? He looks at the heart and not at the outward appearance. Therefore, let the sword of the word of God do its perfect work. Hebrews chapter 4. Remember? Let us therefore be diligent to enter into the rest, lest anyone fall according to the sample of disobedience. Example of disobedience. Verse 12. For the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword. So what does it do? Pierces to the division of the soul and the spirit. What is the division of the soul and spirit? Let me tell you. Body is world conscious. Body is world conscious. Soul is Self-conscious. Spirit is God-conscious. Okay? That's what Derrick says. Body means, you know, world-conscious. You know, you, you touch the world through your body, through your five senses. Soul is very aware of the self. You look in the mirror and you admire yourself. Okay? Okay, you admire your body or what have you. Or what have you. And then, spirit is God-conscious. So when you divide the soul and the spirit, what is happening? That which is of the self, and that which is of not of the self is getting divided. How much of your decision that you're taking in the guise of spirituality, how much of it is your soul? And how much of it is your spirit? Remember, those who love their life. Yeah, you know what the word for life is? Soul. Those who love their soul will lose it, and those who lose their souls will find it. Meaning, when you div- what is the div- what is the division of the soul and the spirit means? What is of Vijay and what is of God is getting divided. In your decisions, in the in the in the in the in the in the message or or in the in the words that you're speaking, in the decisions that you're making, in the way you're spending the time, how much of Vijay is getting exalted, how much of God is getting exalted, is a division of soul and the spirit. Johnson Marrow. And then it says, How do we know it? It discerns the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. So what is my intention and what is my thought? It is it to glorify God? So that is the reason why God does not look at the outward, he looks at the heart. And why, I, I, am sure of this, no? One of the things that God anointed David, you know why? He, he said, Lord, create in me a clean, he was 
absolutely aware of his heart. He said, Lord, I am birthed in sin, shaped in iniquity. You desire truth not in the outward. You desire truth in the inward. Therefore, Lord, create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit in me. What kind of a heart did he have? He had a genuine heart. He had a heart which said, Lord, I know, I know myself. You know, if you read through the Psalm, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. What does it tell me? He had a believing heart. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He had a trusting and an obedient heart. Leading means what? He was a person who was led not only into still waters, but also into the valley of the shadow of death. He had a trusting, believing, trusting heart. In the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Deep down inside of his heart, he had a desire for righteousness and for holiness. With all his frailties and with all his mistakes. You know, that's the reason why the Bible says, Blessed are those who what? Hunger and thirst. That in all of us, I mean, in all of us, you know, we may, we may, we may be uh, not very holy. Of course, we are not holy. As holy as he is, as holy and sanctified as, as we are supposed to be. But God sees, is there a desire in, inside Vijay to, uh, to lead a life of holiness? Is there a hunger for righteousness? Is there, is there a hunger for separation? Is there a hunger for, to be set apart from the things of this world? God sees that heart. A trusting heart. He sees, he saw through David's heart. You read the Psalms of David. Hmm. Okay. He says, how I love your law. It is my meditation all day. Psalm 119, 164. 119, 164. Read it. Powerful. Psalm 119, 164. One of my favorite verses. Read that, bro. Ah. Oh, seven times a day I praise thee. Once a day. Why? Why does he praise him? Because of your righteous judgments, I praise you. How many times? Seven times. That means, when we are not, not talking about the quantity of his life, we are talking about the quality of his attitude. Okay, in the new covenant, we don't have seven times. We give thanks? Always. We pray? Always. We meditate? Always. How is it possible? It is possible. That is Christian life. <laughs> you see? So, see, that is the reason why don't let the word of God do a superficial work. Ah, you're good. Put a plaster and send home. To the division of the what? Of the joints and the marrow. In other words, what in your life is disjoint? You know what marrow signifies? Marrow signifies the generation of new life. Bone marrow. Blood cancer is, in order to cure you from blood cancer, they do something called as bone marrow transplant. Marrow is your life. My words are spirit and life. Where is it? It's in my marrow. It's become a part of my bone. And you know when the bones are out of joint, you go to the bone sitter and you think it's an easy thing. God does a lot of, he's an orthopedician basically. He sets our bones in nice order. It's painful. Okay. 
till now you have a bone fracture my dear i'm telling you, you know till now this bone this elbow is still not set struggle even now i cannot lift with my uh, left hand because i had an accident and my elbow went out of joint it's even now painful as when i used to do lifts uh, uh, do weights uh, when i used to do uh, weights you know this is to pain so much but somehow i managed see it's not easy and god you know what god does he goes to the thoughts and the intents to the joints and the marrow he sees what is out of joint and he sets it nicely doesn't do a superficial work skeleton pe jayega basically he doesn't put a nice parda on the skeleton and say go home no you go home in a stretcher that's how people go come come to church in a stretcher go out in a stretcher isn't it is that's what that's what he told, tells the tells the uh, tells the pharisees he looks at that woman who's been bent with a spirit of infirmity and he's healing her on the sabbath and he's telling them you guys satan has bound her for 18 years and you are upset at a cleanser on a sabbath see being bent what is what is bone signify it it signifies your upright life joseph was joseph she was upright all the other fellows were bent all bent fellows joseph was only the straight fellow upright fellow the picture of christ okay so what does god do he goes he takes the sword of the word of god and he goes deep down he shows our soul that which is of the soul means that which is of myself self conscious that which is of self and that which is of god he shows it very clearly this is of self which is and this is of god which is this is what you sought you spoke and said to bring glory to yourself and this is what you spoke and said and did to bring glory to god and then the thoughts and the intents of the heart and the joints and the marrow this is where the bones in your life have been god went out of joint that's what he says prophesy son of man so all the bones came together set them first in order and then the sinews and then the flesh and then the life god does that he straightens us from the deep down from inside out jacob was a bent fellow God had to break him to make him a straight fellow. He was walking in his uprightness, but deceived and bent in the spirit. And later on, he was bent in his in his body, but straight in the spirit. What do you want? God does that. God will do it with all of us. Okay, don't this peace and safety, this false peace, nakko in 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 uh, in uh, Hyderabad Hindi, nakko nakko re maya, nakko re maya. We don't want this. We don't want this false peace. Genuine peace, I want. Lord, I want genuine peace. Deal with me. Yes, I'm afraid. I'm, I'm afraid of correction. I'm, I'm not uh, wanting correction every day. But Lord, do it, Lord, because I don't want something which is of lies in my life. I want genuine peace. Okay, Amen. Let us desire that. No. Otherwise, what will we have? False peace, peace. When there is no peace, we are in pieces, but no peace. 
And there's no creature hidden from his eyes, but all things are naked and open to the eyes to whom we must give an account. See, we don't, we, we, we will not be giving an account to pastor. We can fool our elders and our pastors. We can cry and shed tears and sometimes pastors are more, uh, you know, uh, uh, what do you call, <laughs> what is it, merciful than God sometimes. And they'll give another chance. We can get easily fooled, maybe. But not God. First of all, you will say, why are you weeping? These tears, why are, you, why are these tears coming out of your eyes? Can you, will, will you give the reason for your tears, please? That means our tears also should be reasonable. Lamentation. There are five, four, five book, five chapters, right? In Lamentations. Yeah, one, two, three, four. Yeah, five chapters. Five chapters, Lamentations. They're all acrostics. Not acoustics. They're acrostic meaning you should lament meaningfully and systematically. Every chapter has 22 verses. How many? 22. Because every, every, uh, Hebrew alphabets are 22. So every chapter has 22 verses. If you want to lament more, I give you three, third chapter. There are how many? 66 verses. Three times more you can lament, but lament systematically. Who wrote lamentations? Jeremiah. He was a person who said, Lord, give me a mournful and a lamenting heart for my people. But he also said how you should lament. And why you should lament. Got that? Jeremiah chapter 14. Then I said, Ah, Lord God. Verse 13. Behold, the prophet said to them, You shall not see the sword, nor shall you have famine. But I will give you assured peace where? In this place. What is that? In this place, God will give you a short place. No, no, no. God will not give you a short place in this place. God says, you know, I have to go there. Go towards him. Draw near to me and I will draw near to you. I don't come to you. You have to come to me. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your minds, you double-minded. Verse 14, and the Lord said to me, the prophets prophesy what in my name? Lies in my name. Three things he says, I have not sent them, I have not commanded them, I have not spoken to them. What is that? Sent, command, spoke, spoken. You see, let me tell you, this is the order. What does the word sent mean? You are under God's authority. Those who are under God's authority will receive what? Commands. And once you receive commands, you will be spoken to. It says, Peter says, save yourself from this untoward generation. Those who gladly receive the command to get baptized were spoken to the word later on. Am I right? Okay. Just like the Father sent me, I also sent you, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, commanding them to, commanding them and teaching Everything that I commanded you, that is a command. That's a sent. That is a sent. That, that is being sent. What is a command? Wait in Jerusalem until you receive power. That is a second command. How many, how many people obeyed that command? 120 people out of 500 people were sent. 120 people obeyed the command to wait in Jerusalem until they receive the power. And then what happens? Third, they will be spoken to exactly what to say so that people will get convicted and be brought to repentance. What is that? 
Sent, commanded, spoken to. Otherwise, what will happen? They prophesy false vision. What vision? False vision. Divination. Telugu is so there. So the God means is wasting my time. Divination means all false vision. It is like uh, reading your palm. Worthless thing, deception of their own heart. Understood? Therefore, thus says the Lord concerning the prophets who prophesy in my name, whom I did not send, and who say, sword and famine shall not be in this land. By sword and famine, you shall be judged. Peace, peace, when there is no When they say peace and security, what will happen? Sudden destruction will come. So don't, please don't ask for superficial messages. God say, Lord, show me depth. Show me where I am going wrong. Straighten my motives. Show me what is of the self. Show me what is of the spirit. Show me what is, where where my joints are out of place. Hmm? And set it right, Lord. In other words, show me where there is crookedness. And if we find any crooked way in me, what should we do? Set it right. That's what David said. Not Lord, search me. And know me. Know my thoughts and see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way of what? Everlasting life. And he says, Keep me also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. And you know why God says this man is after my own, my own heart? Because God sees his heart and he sees the desires and the intentions and the thoughts of his heart. Otherwise, Ezekiel chapter 13 will say something very interesting. Because indeed, because they seduced my people. What do they do? They seduced my people. Seduction is a spirit of seduction. What did they say? They prophesied to my people, peace, peace, when there was no peace. And what did they do? They superficially covered my people. They did not deal with the original problem. They did not deal with the depth of the problem. They superficially covered here. They have seduced my people. Other uh, people, other translation will use the word. They led my people astray. They led my people astray. Flattery. Tell me, Samson, tell me, no, if you love me, how should I kill you, Samson? How can I bind you? Where does your strength, where does the source of your strength? Please tell me, I want to afflict you, Samson. This fool. And you know what he says? They say what? Because indeed they have seduced my people saying what? Peace when there is no peace and one builds a wall and they plastered it with untempered mortar. You know what for the word for untempered is? Tafel. From, from which we get the word Ahitofel. What does Ahitofel mean? I told you, you know, two, two, two things that the Bible says. We should be transformed by the renewing of a man. Satan transforms himself into a angel of light. What is that word? What is the word for transform here? Where you, by being transformed in the renewal of your mind. What is that word for uh, transformation? Metamorpho. What is here? Metaschematizo. What is? What are you doing here? What you are covering your schemes? 
and you're and you're and you're saying that I'm an angel of light. That's what it says. Now the word of Ahithophel was like the word of God, word from God, wisdom from God. But what is there inside of him? Schemes, plans to destroy David. That's exactly what Ahithophel wants. He wants to kill the David in our lives. And his every intention and part is to murder and slaughter the life of David. It is Jesus, that type of Christ. What does he do? He covers it up with mortar. What we call as white cement. Difference between white cement and normal cement, you know that, right? White cement, you do one one shot like this, it will break into several pieces. But when it looks, when you look from look at look at it from the outside, it looks so nice, so beautiful, untempered motor, untested motor, something which will not withstand the test. It doesn't does not go deep. It's all superficial. Say to those who plaster with an untempered motor that it will fall. There will be flooding rain, and you, O great hailstones, shall fall, and a stormy will wind will tear it down. It's coming. Peace, peace. Surely when the wall has fallen, will it not be said, where is the motor with which you plastered it? What happened to that teaching? You remember the teaching that we received? Oh, nothing. You are the past sins, the present sins and the future sins have all all been washed. It is called hyper grace. What radical grace? All grace. In the name of grace, they preach all false things. What is that? They preach license and not holiness. Job chapter 6. You want to, you want to know what this untempered motor is? Job chapter 6 verse 6. Can that which is unsavory, the same word, tafel, unsavory be eaten without salt? Meaning what? It is a word of God without salt. And what does salt stand for? Grace of God. Let your words be seasoned with salt. What does what does salt do? It seasons. That means it gives taste, divine taste, not earthly taste. Second thing it does is what it delays decay, or it makes it fights against decay, and also it hurts your wounds. Salt is there, so rheumatol. You know, I used to be scared of tincture iodine those days. Okay, the first aid kit during our school days was if you fall and you have a scratch on your on your on your on your uh, he uh, sorry on your knees tincture iodine they'll put you down get that yellow thing baba and they put it on your wound and it and you'll scream for your life that's salt but is it good for you of course nowadays we have what is that so, savlon and uh, pavlon or what have you i don't think they are good good enough Detol goes against germs. In other words, what is that one message which will go against the germs in our spirit? Cleansing all, we, sh- we have received all these promises. What should we do therefore? We should cleanse ourselves from every filthiness of the flesh and of the spirit and we should do what? Perfect holiness in the fear of God. Perfect holiness in the fear of God because we have received these promises. What is it? This is unsavory. This is a saltless teaching which will which will, it's all full sugar coated matter basically. Full of sugar. After you eat this, you become diabetic. In other words, what does it mean? When you become diabetic, if you eat a healthy meal, what will happen to you? 
you'll die. You've lost the capacity to digest something which is of health. Can that which is unsavory be eaten without salt? It is a saltless teaching and I'll tell you something. The word of God is salty. Last Sunday you heard the message, no? Was it salty? Oh, yeah. Nice salt, Pastor put on everybody. Salty, salty. It's not sugary. Salty. Maybe sometimes salt inside, sugar coated outside. Okay, fine, but it's still salty. Jokes and everything we'll put and put some sugar coating so that it is palpable. But it should be salt. It should go inside. It's like honey. But when it goes inside, it becomes bitter. Hmm? Unsavory. That's what we have. Lot of unsavory teaching. You listen to the teaching and you'll say, "What is this, Baba? You have." I'm not talking. I'm not talking about. I'm not against a number of views. Okay, there are a number of views which are justified. There are a number of views which are not justified. Twenty minutes sermon only. How should you take a wash? With one one glass of water, will it be sufficient for a bath? I will give you one glass of water this moment, this much only. This much only for taking a bath today. What part of your body will you clean? What kind of a shower? You should have hot. I like hot water. Okay, hot water, full shower. You need so that every part of your body is met, and all the pores are opened up, and all the dirt comes out. Right? That is the shower when you enjoy it. Am I right? You take that shower and you come out. I feel born again and fresh. That's exactly what should happen to you on Sunday morning. Pastor has to take nice hot water and. Pour it upon you and wash you with the water of the word of God so that all pores are opened and all dirt comes out. Because he said, I'm going to purify the sons of Levi. How? With what? With a refiner's fire and fuller soap. How can you have soap without water? Full water has to be poured. So what? One bucket, 20 minutes. Bucket, one glass of water they leave you on, on Sunday morning. Ah, please have a nice bath with it. How can you have bath with this one? How can you have a bath? Tell me. See, they don't, they don't understand the purpose of the word of God. By the washing of water, by the word that he may sanctify his bride and present unto himself a bride which is without spot and without wrinkle. And without blemish. Will a bride on a wedding day take one bottle, one glass of water shower? No. Six months they are cleansing. Remember for Esther to go to the king? Six months cleansing with different kinds of uh, ointments and different kinds of, uh, with uh, perfumers and they take shower in perfume. So that the entire perfume gets incorporated into the skin. And so that when she enters into the king's chamber, she is smelling. For an earthly king, you should do that. How much more for an heavenly king? Think about this, my brother. What kind of a lies we have we have been told these days? No peace, peace. When there is what? No peace. One bu- bucket of water. Th- one bucket also is not sufficient when, when it is summer. Okay. 
you want three times a day shower every especially if you go to Vizag every time you want to stand under the shower only because in Vizag if you go by the time you come out of the shower you'll start sweating again you see they're living in cold climates they don't know the <laughs> uh, the <laughs> the purpose of shower huh? even in Canada when I was there people used to say you know what uh, why are you taking shower every day I said Baba I'm from India I'm go- I'm used whether cold sh- cold weather or not cold weather every day I take a shower and we have gentlemen and boys from boys home also uh, uh, uncle yesterday I took a shower what do you mean yesterday I took a shower yesterday you took a shower nobody says yesterday I ate and today I will not eat Does anybody, that is okay Yesterday, uncle, I had a tremendous meal today. I'm fasting. Nobody says that, Baba. Nicely they will eat. See, unsavory. Untempered. Lamentations chapter 2, verse 14. The prophets have seen what things? Foolish, vain things. That's again, again the word tafel. Foolish things. And what do, they, what do they do? They have not, what? Discovered your iniquity. So what should the word of God do? Ah, dis- uncover your nakedness. That's what it should do. Inequity means that which is without equity. That which is not fair. That which is not just in your life. That is which is not righteous in your life. That which is not a faith in your life has to be exposed by the word of God. And once that is exposed, what happens? You will turn from your captivity. Otherwise, you will be, you will continue in your bondage. They will take away the yoke of wood and they'll put up, put in its place what? Yoke of iron. That's exactly what happens. But have seen the false burdens and causes for punishment. The problem is not that. The prophets prophesy falsely. The priests Follow their orders. And my people love it. They love this teaching, Baba. They love it. God will bless me. God will take care of me. You listen to the songs also, no? How many songs have got depth in the, in, inside of them? I mean, in many of the songs, they're all therapy songs only. You have fantastic music. Very little content. That is the reason why it's difficult to sing modern songs. We have to practice more. Like, I'm not a professional singer. So there will be some classical bends in that song and for the sake of the modern people I have to learn those songs also now. Very difficult to sing those songs. Not easy, no? So much of music, so much of accompaniment, so many um, twists and turns. Old songs. Very simple. The raga was very straightforward. The words were weighty. The words were weighty. But now, words are sappy, music is weighty. What will you do with your music? It says, the song was put to music. Which came first? Ah, Thank you. Very logical. I'm not against music. I like the music side. Also. But the first is what? Song. Philippians chapter 4. 
be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplications with thanksgiving let your request be made known unto god and the peace of god be anxious they they talk about what peace and security you don't go for security why do people run after they run after the world because they think that by having more money and more education that they are secure no seek ye first the kingdom of god and his righteousness and all the things that you need will be added unto you and more than that the peace of god which surpasses all understanding will garrison your mind that is true peace when you have genuine surrender Amen. We are only looking at peace today. We have several other things to do. Okay. Understand this. God is a God who will kill both body and soul. Don't be afraid of the people who can only touch your body and not your soul. So ensure that your soul passes through the test. That your entire body, soul and spirit be sanctified and blameless at his appearing. But he who promised is faithful and he will also perform it. Amen. Believest thou this? And thou sayest? Amen. First Peter chapter 1. And if you call on father who without partiality judges according to each one's work. What should you do? Conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear. Have the fear of God. What should you have? Fear of God. That is one thing which is very, very important. That is one thing that will guard your purity and your separation and your holiness. What is that? The fear of God. The fear of God keeps you from sinning. It is through the fear of God men depart from evil. Amen. So teach me the fear of God, you should say. What should you say? Teach me, Lord, the fear of God. The fear of God. The fear of God. My thoughts, my intentions, my attitudes, my motives, my eyes. My eyes, my eyes. You know what Peter says? Wanton eyes in the last days. People will have wanton eyes. The more they see, the less they are satisfied. The people will be sensual. Given over to the senses. How many senses do we have? We have five, we have five senses. We also have five spiritual senses. You know that? The first spiritual senses through which we eat. Which is that? Spiritually, what we eat through? Through your ear. Exactly. Exactly what it says. Like the tongue tastes food, the ear tastes words. And therefore Jesus says, be careful as to how you hear, be careful as to what you hear. Very careful. Keep your ears sensitive. And what is the second one? Your eyes. Have vision. If your eye is single, your whole body is full of light. If your eye is double, your body is full of darkness. And if the light in you, in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Meaning, have this eye, single-minded devotion, not like double vision, like, like lot. Double vision leads to division. Where? Where? In your own soul. A double-minded man will receive what? How many from, what, what from God? Nothing. 
nothing. My vision, Lord, my vision, my vision, my vision, my eyes, Lord, my vision, my spiritual vision, my spiritual vision should not abate, Lord. Just like it happened with Moses, that when he grew and grew and grew, but his vision was sharp and his body was strong. My focus, my vision. Okay. So ear, eyes, what is the next one? Smell. What is that? Smell. You know what should you smell? He, he'll make him quick to smell the what? The fear of the Lord. This place, this, there's no fear of God. What should you do from there? Flee. Flee. There's no fear of God here. I don't want to be in a place where there's no fear of God. Then what is that next one? Mouth. You know what the mouth is? From the mouth you speak. Out of the abundance of your heart, the mouth speaks. Okay, so, 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 keep your spiritual senses sharp in the last days. What you touch, don't touch Anything which is unclean. That means this is holy and this is unholy. Be very sure what is holy and what is unholy. Have a sense of it. Touch no unclean thing. And I will receive you. Five spiritual senses. How sharp are your senses? Okay. God will not judge impartially. He will judge everybody without Sorry, not God will not judge with partiality. He will judge everybody fairly. On that day, you will receive what you deserve. Amen? Understand that. Okay? Conduct yourself throughout the time of your stay here. You know what the words for stay is? Other translation, you will, you will use the word exile. You are in exile. That means you are in prison. In prison, nobody asks about food. Nobody asks about comfort. Nobody talks about comfort. In prison, how many prisoners will say, hey, this bed is not very comfortable for me? Have you seen? In India, they will not say. In, in America, they want to go to prison because they are very comfortable. In some of the prisons in America, you should see. Boah, the hostels in India are worse than the prisons in America. Okay. They comfort people in their sin. They are also comfort teachers. How much they have been pampered, you see? The pampered generation. <laughs> Luke's Gospel 19. And so it was when he returned, having received the kingdom, he then commanded his servants, what? Whom he had given money, to be called to him, that he might know how much each one earned with his money. Everybody was given how many minors? One minor. Everybody was given the same opportunities and the same time. What did you do with that? Conduct yourself throughout the time of exile. How? Fear in fear because one day God will bring you to account. Every idle word that you have spoken, you have to give an account. So be very careful. So we are living in this life of of what? Of peace and safety. So in order to be spiritually sober, don't ask God, Lord, don't deal with my life superficially. Deal with my life, deal with my heart in depth. See the intentions of my heart. See the motives of my heart. Understand what is there inside of it. See that and bring out that which is what? Not of God. Show which is, which is of the self. Show which is of the spirit. Show which is crooked in my life. Make it straight. Understand my thoughts. Understand my intentions. And lead me the way of everlasting life. Okay? The first thing therefore, 
what is genuine peace and safety message you should understand as 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 many as are what for, uh, there is for there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in christ it is only when you are in christ you have peace with god and if you continue in christ you have peace from god peace of of god which will guard is in your heart that is a genuine genuine message of peace and safety so the other five attributes we looked at sons of light sons of day not of night not of dark no not of darkness or not of uh, night or not of darkness and then be sober and vigilant putting on the guest breastplate of uh, faith and love and uh, and having the helmet of salvation and you are not appointed to wrath but to salvation there are five other attributes which we'll look at in the coming days so that we'll make ourselves spiritually sober and not be taken by surprise when Jesus comes that is the focus of this entire teaching on Wednesdays to prepare ourselves for the coming of the Lord amen let's pray Father we just want to thank you father for this day Father keep us spiritually sober and enable us to reject every teaching which will dull which will make our spiritual senses dull which will father desensitize us to the convictions of the holy spirit because your word says when the spirit of god comes he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment father enable us never to get familiar with teachings which are convicting but lord enable us lord father to receive that conviction and let that conviction lead to repentance and repentance that leads to change of mind change of desire change of attitude <coughs> and make us more christ like and prepare us for your coming to that end i pray that you would bless us we thank you we praise you we give you glory for in jesus mighty name we pray amen